Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome to Restoration Anglican Church. Welcome to our lessons and carol service. I just want to say something right at the beginning, and I don't usually speak extemporaneously without thinking about it for at least a little while before this, but I just want to say something, guys. Um, when I was a kid, we used to go every Christmas Eve to uh, a, a local Roman Catholic shrine that had their Christmas Eve service and a midnight mass. And there was probably a thousand people there. Um, and it was a big extravagant affair. And I just want to say that the Christmas Eve service is first and foremost a family event. And this little church family that we are building is taking root. And God willing, it's going to grow deep roots. God willing, it's going to spread. And we are going to see disciples made. And we are going to be the hands and feet of Christ to this city. And I just, for each and every one of you that's been a part of this, I just want to say thank you. We're wonderfully glad you're here. We're delighted that God brought you here. And we are really looking forward to where God is going to take us in the next year. So this series of lessons and carols, this is a... It's a pretty standard liturgy. The Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols. It tells the, the story of Christmas through a series of readings for the Bible. It begins with Genesis, with God's good creation. It, it then tracks humanity's descent into sin and death and the very earliest promises of redemption from Jesus the Messiah. It continues highlighting the hopes of the Old Testament people of God, the children of Israel, through the prophets until the birth of the Christ, as told by the Gospels. And as the service implies, every reading, every lesson, is followed with a response in the form of a carol. Lessons and Carols is a, actually a relative newcomer to Christian worship. Unlike most of the things that we do that are at least several hundred, if not a thousand years old, uh, Lessons and Carols was actually developed in the late uh, 1800s at an Anglican church called Truro Cathedral in Cornwall. It was basically seen as a more fitting alternative to spending Christmas Eve carousing in the pub with your friends. In, in England, the Christmas Day service has always been the important service, and Christmas Eve was kind of a separate, it was just kind of um, just a, another night. But the church decided that rather than spending all night getting drunk in the pub, that maybe people could come together and sing songs that everyone knew and hear God's biblical story of redemption. And so it begins with this, this bidding prayer. A bidding prayer is one of those let us pray for kind of prayers that if you, if you come to our church on Sundays, you'll hear it in our prayers of the people. So the bidding prayer starts this way. Dear friends, at this Christmas time, let it be our care and our delight to hear again the message of the angels and in heart and mind to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. And with the shepherds and with the wise men adore the babe lying in a manger. Therefore, let us read and mark in Holy Scripture the tale of the loving purposes of God. From the first days of our disobedience unto the glorious redemption brought to us in all creation by this holy child. And in company with the church universal and the heavenly host, let us make this city glad with our carols of praise. 
But first, as we await the consummation of God's kingdom, let us continually and always pray for the needs of the whole world, for peace and goodwill over all the earth, for our president, Joe Biden, for our governor, Ralph Northam, for our mayor, Andrea Oaks, and for all those who govern or work for peace and justice around us. And at this time, let us pray for and let us remember and let us think on, in Jesus' name, the needs of the poor and the helpless, the cold, the hungry, the oppressed, the sick in body and in mind, and those that mourn. Let us remember and think on the lonely and the unloved, the aged and the little children, and all who do not know the loving kindness of our Lord. Let us also remember before God all those who rejoice with us, but on another shore and in a greater light, that multitude which none can number, whose hope was in the word made flesh. And let us pray that we may be counted one day among that communion of saints, receiving grace to offer unto God reasonable service, living in unity and fellowship with all his people, and treating with reverence all that he has made. These prayers let us humbly offer up to the throne of heaven, and let us conclude in the words which Christ himself taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Two things as we start. One, it is just barely warm enough outside to have that door open. And we always love to have our door open whenever we can. That being said, over the next hour or so, it's going to start to get cooler. And so if anybody, especially people on this side of the room, if that gets simply too cold to bear, just stand up and close the door. Second thing is this. One of the reasons I love the lessons in Carol's service so much is that it really leans into something that's called biblical theology. Biblical theology states that the entire Bible, all 66 books written by at least 32 different authors, that the entire Bible tells one overarching story, the story of God's redemption, and that that story focuses chiefly on one person, Jesus of Nazareth. And it takes the entire Bible to tell this story. And so at the beginning of a service like this, I like to um, read an intro from an excellent book on biblical theology. This is a book by a woman named Sally Lloyd-Jones called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I don't know any book that does a better job of explaining that view of the Bible than this. So sometimes when people come to a Lessons and Carol service, they wonder why we're not just focusing in on the birth of Jesus. And the reason is because it takes the whole Bible to tell this story. So this is from the intro to Sally Lloyd-Jones' Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, some people think that the Bible is a list of rules, telling you what you should and you shouldn't do. And the Bible certainly does have some rules in it because it shows you how life works best. But... The Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. The Bible is about God and what he has done. Other people think that the Bible is a book of heroes, stories showing people that we should try to emulate and copy. 
The Bible does have some heroes in it, but most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. Most of the people in the Bible make big mistakes, sometimes even on purpose, and they get afraid, and they run away. And at times, most of the people in the Bible are downright mean. So no, the Bible isn't a list of rules, and it isn't a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all one story. The Bible is an adventure story about one young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything he owns to rescue the ones that he loves. It's like the most wonderful fairy tale of all time has come true in real life. And it takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every single story in the Bible whispers his name. He's the missing piece of the puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly, a beautiful picture emerges. Thanks for coming to me. That's me. Someone didn't read the script. There are two prayers that we start off with in Lessons and Carols. The first one before the first lesson is a prayer before hearing scripture read. Will you pray with me? Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, cursed are you above all livestock and of all animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. 
With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. The word of the Lord. It's a really great prayer pray before entering into a time of singing. It's adapted from a Russian abbess in the Russian Orthodox Church. Will you pray with me? Grant, O Lord, that I may sing not only with my lips, but with my heart, singing with all my mind, soul, will, desire, and my whole being. May every part of me become luminous with thy divine light as I participate in thy divine, as I glorify thee. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the burnt, will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the, and the two, two of them, them went, went on, on together. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me 
your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham, called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies and through, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the slash around his waist. The wolf Will, lie, will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie with the goat, and the calf and the lion, and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. 
The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put the hand, his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nation will rally for him, and his resting place will be glorious. The word of the Lord. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. 
but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, Time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. The word of the Lord. Today we light all the candles of the Advent wreath. Each candle has a meaning. The first candle is hope. The second candle is love, the third candle is joy, and the fourth candle is peace. The center candle is the Christ candle. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let us pray. O oh God of hope, love, joy, and peace, as Mary and Joseph welcomed you into the world, now help us welcome you into our lives. Give us hope in these times of trouble. Fill our hearts with love and your spirit and our spirits with joy. Grant us your peace through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Amen. The following is a collect or a collected prayer. 
that we can all say together on this Christmas Eve. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light. Grant that we who have known the mystery of that light on earth may also enjoy him perfectly in heaven, where with you and the Holy Spirit he lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of, com a great company of the heavenly host of appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the, glory, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one, to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who is lying in the manger. When they had, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word of the Lord. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I, may, so that I too may come and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The word of the Lord. Before I begin with the sermon, I just wanted to say I am so delighted um, that we sung It Came Upon a Midnight Clear tonight. That song, I've been singing that since I was a little kid. It always just sounded like kind of a nice, soft, quiet little song. And I don't think I've really paid attention to the words until this week as I've been thinking about it over and over and over again. And it does exactly what a good Bible story is supposed to do. It it does exactly what being in church is supposed to do. It, It moves, it starts with historical facts. These things happen. In verses 1 and 2, it talks about the angels and the shepherds. And then in verse 3, it moves to to the personal. What does that mean for me? How is that supposed to impact my life? And it talks about the the transformation that the Word of God does to us. The, The personal life transformation that having Jesus be a part of our lives and following Him does. And then it moves back to facts in verse 4. Now, it's facts that haven't happened yet, but it's still sure and certain facts because in God's, in, in God's timeline, he already knows what's going to happen as we all move toward that day when Christ will come back and make all things new. Anyway, I'm just, it's a, a great hymn to, to reflect on. So, the very first Christmas sermon that was captured um, in, the, in the history of the church and has been preserved since then was preached in the year 365 A.D., by a man who's known as St. John Chrysostom. It was preached at Antioch, in what is now in the southeast part of Turkey, and it was preached during the first year of his ministry, which is infuriating. The fact that this guy could write a sermon like this one year into being a pastor makes me want to quit and go run a food truck. There's there's a really good reason why he's called St. John Chrysostom, because Christostom is not his last name. It's a nickname. It means the golden tongue. And he truly was. So, on Lessons and Carols, um, I like to read aloud the Nativity homily of St. John Christostom. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Christostom's sermon. Behold, a new and wondrous mystery. My ears resound to the shepherd's song. They don't play a soft melody. They burst forth with a heavenly hymn. The angels sing. The archangels blend their voices in harmony. The cherubim shout their joyful praise. And the seraphim exalt in his glory. Everything joins to praise this holy feast, beholding the Godhead here on earth and man in heaven. He who is above, now for our redemption, dwells here below. And he that was lowly is by divine mercy raised. Bethlehem this day resembles heaven, hearing from the stars the singing of the angelic voices, and the place of the sun enfolds within itself on every side the sun of righteousness. And do not ask how, for where God wills, The order of nature yields. For he willed, he had the power. He descended, he redeemed. All things yielded themselves in obedience to God. This day, the I am is born. 
And he who is became what he was not. For when he was God, he also then became man. Yet, not departing from the Godhead that he always is. Nor yet by any loss of divinity did he become man. Nor through increase did he become God from man. But being the word, he also became flesh. By his nature, because of, him, because of his impassibility, always remains unchanged. And so kings have come to him. And they have seen the true heavenly king that has come upon the earth. Not bringing with him his angels, his archangels, his cherubim, his seraphim, or thrones, or dominions, or powers, or principalities. But treading a new and solitary path. He has come forth from a spotless womb. Since this heavenly birth cannot be described, neither does his coming amongst us in these days permit too curious a scrutiny. Though I know that the virgin this day gave birth, and I believe that God was begotten before all time, yet the manner of this production I have learned to simply revere in silence. And I accept that this is not to be probed too curiously with wordy speech. For with God we know... We, for with God, we look not for the order of nature, but we rest our faith in the power of him who created the nature. What shall I say to you? What shall I tell you? I behold here a mother who has brought forth. I behold here a child come into this light by birth. The manner of his conception I cannot comprehend. Nature here, see, nature here Sabbathed a while while the will of God labored. O ineffable grace, the only begotten who is before all ages, who cannot be touched or perceived, who is simple, without body, has now put on my body that is visible and liable to corruption. For what reason? That coming amongst us, he may teach us. And in teaching us, he may lead us by the hand to the things that men cannot see. For since men believe that the eyes are more trustworthy than the ears, they doubt that of which they, they cannot see. And so he has deigned to show himself in bodily presence, that he may remove all doubt. Christ, finding the holy temple and the body of a virgin, builds for himself then a living temple. And as he has willed, formed there by man from a virgin, and putting him on, this day came forth unashamed of the lowliness of our nature. For there was for him no shame to put on what he himself had once made. Let that handiwork be forever glorified, which became the cloak of our own creator. For as in the first creation of flesh, man could not be made before the clay had come into his hand, so neither could this corruptible body be glorified until it had first become the garment of our maker. What shall I say to you? And how shall I describe this birth to you? For this, this wonder simply fills me with astonishment. Because the Ancient of Days has become an infant. He who sits upon the heavenly and sublime throne now lies in a manger. He who cannot be touched, who is simple and without complexity and, and incorporeal, 
now lies subject in the arms of man. He who has broken the bonds of sinners is now bound by an infant's swaddling bands. He who has decreed that shame shall become honor, disgrace shall be clothed with glory, and total humiliation is the measure of his, God, of his goodness. For this reason, he assumed my body, that I may become capable of becoming his word, taking my flesh. He gives me his spirit, and so he bestows and I receive, and he prepares for me his treasure of life. He takes my flesh to sanctify me. He gives me his spirit that he may save me. So come then, let us observe and revel in this feast. Truly wondrous is the whole story of the nativity. For this day, the ancient slavery began to be ended. The devil confounded, the demons taking to flight, the power of death is broken. Paradise is unlocked, the curse is taken away, sin is removed, error is driven out, truth is brought back. The speech of kindliness is brought in and diffuses and spreads to every shore. And a heavenly way of life has been planted here on earth. Angels communicate with men without fear, and men now hold speech with angels. And why is this? Why is this? Because God is now on earth. Because God is now on earth, and so man will one day be with him in heaven, and all things commingle together. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God, and he is God, and he will be God. But he became flesh, so that he whom heaven could not contain, a manger would this day receive. He was placed in a manger so that he by whom all things are nourished may receive an infant's food from his virgin mother. So the father of all ages as an infant at the breast nestles in the virginal arms that the magi may see him more clearly. To him then who brought us out of confusion into a clear path to Christ and to the Father, and to the Holy Spirit, we offer all of our praise and honor and glory now and forever. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, 
to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of the Lord. In the biblical way of keeping time, um, which is to say uh, both the, the Jewish way of keeping time and historically the church's way of keeping time, a day starts at sunset of the day before, which is why, for instance, the Sabbath is always sunset Friday night to sunset Saturday night. Well, sunset happened today at 5.03 p.m. It's now almost 5.15, so I can officially say to you, Merry Christmas. Now receive this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. The Christ has come. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia.